Kick into the Max Sports Podcast, episode number four. What a game we had last night. Chargers in Arrowhead for the 50th anniversary of Arrowhead being open. Justin Herbert out there suffering a rib injury during the game. Looked like Superman. What he was able to do at the end of the game to still give them a chance to win the game. Uh, Chiefs Mahomes, he did his thing. We'll get to that game later. Episode 1, I may have mentioned it. I gotta get this out of the way. Uh, The inspiration for me to do this podcast episode, one came from the podcast that me and my roommate uh, and co-host Tay Sweet would have, Floor 10 Sports Podcast. That will be up and running soon. I know we keep promising, but it will be up and running soon. Um, The main reason, ever since the beginning of middle school, when I really found my interest in sports, um, watching sports, watching analysts, um, Syracuse University with Newhouse School, uh, the broadcasters, the journalists that come out of there, Mike Tirico, Bob Costas, Sean McDonough, Dave Pash, Ian Eagle, all of my idols um, that are alumni of Newhouse and Syracuse. Um, but the main my role model since the beginning of middle school, Colin Cowherd, uh, the herd on FS1 every day from 11 to 2 central time. I would, after school, during lunch break, I would listen to him on my phone. If I could catch 30 minutes to an hour, that was ideal. Um, after school was over, every single day, all throughout middle school and high school, I would listen to his three-hour show. I wasn't only moved and inspired by what his analogies that he's known for, his hot takes, but his confidence. Um, He doesn't care what other people think about what he has to say. He's very knowledgeable, educated. Um, He's probably inspired a lot of people to do a podcast, but he's my main inspiration to do this one. Now, to have a show like Pat McAfee's, which I have been listening and been a real uh, listener and I've taken notes and what he does, his unfiltered presence, his big energy. I try and mix some of my energy with that, but his big energy that he brings every day with his crew, with Boston Connor, um, with Hammer Don, Everything that he has going on with that show. And now he's on College Game Day, ESPN. I love what he does with this show. Colin Cowherd, Pat McAfee, a couple of Stephen A. Smith when he was with Max Kellerman, um, Skip Bayless, Shan Sharp. There are lots of good shows out there. For golf, my interest in golf began at the middle of high school when I started working at a golf course. But when I really got into golf, no Laying Up, NLU, which is on everything that I'm on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, YouTube. Their merch is awesome. But No Laying Up is the best golf podcast out there. They are what really inspired me to kind of talk about golf or to watch golf. Um, and I know the audience might be very limited with when I talk about golf, but it's something that I love to do. Uh, that will continue to do, especially next week, President's Cup. Uh, the chaos that's going on with that and can live 
golf members playing that no they cannot uh big debate there but i will be previewing the president's cup team usa versus team air national as davis love with the captain including guys like max homa justin thomas sky scheffler on the american team um but let's move into that game last night wow i mean the anticipation that we had for the chargers chiefs for that game in arrowhead was very is highly built up it lived up to the expectations that we had for the game to be with herbert and mahomes that we will get to see Mahomes is under contract for another eight years. Justin Herbert is going to sign a huge contract. We're going to be able to see that quarterback matchup with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes for a long time. We're very fortunate. Same division. That means twice a year. Maybe maybe in the playoffs this year, next year. Who knows how many times we'll be able to see them every year. But lift up to the hype. Uh, the amount of grit and abilities that justin herbert was able to show last night in arrowhead was unbelievable now some people have him including me as a top five quarterback in the league i think he proved it last night despite the loss you can look at the foul score uh you can look at the stats whatever you want even though justin herbert outgained patrick mahomes in almost every category you can look at the end result but that's not what was important. If you really watch that game, at the end of the game, uh, first of all, the Chargers all game long showed that they're more t- they're a more talented and physical team. What kind of combo is that? Talent and physicality. That's a duo. That's a combo that can overtake. It can overcome. Lots of other weaknesses that team may have. Like maybe Brandon Staley's going for on fourth down all the time. Which he didn't do last night, but last year he showed that he was able to do that a lot. It can overcome lots. When you have the talent of Derwin James, of Kenneth Murray, of Asante Samuel, of Khalil Mack, future Hall of Famer, of Joey Bosa, one of the best edge rushers in the league, and Johnson down the middle you're going to get a pretty loaded defensive defense. When you go on the other side of the ball and you have a guy like Austin Eckler, who's one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league, Mike Williams, what he was able to do, especially in that first half, the catches that he can make, his size, his physicality, uh, the position that he can get into that not many wide receivers can, it's unbelievable. Pair that with Justin Mo- Mo- Sorry, Justin Herbert, who showed is the toughest. I put up there with Tom Brady and Josh Allen. As the toughest guys, Russell Wilson, who will get through anything. He kept getting hit and hit and hit and drilled to the ground and murdered and walloped. You name it. That's what was happening to him last night, and he did not back away. He kept fighting. Corey Lindsay. Lind- yeah, Corey Lindsay. There's center pro bowler. Uh, one of the key pieces to that new and improved offensive line got hurt at halftime. We didn't see the injury happen, but he didn't come back second half. So we were assuming uh, what happened there. 
Anyways, the backup center came in, and that's when the game switched. Just like that. Right at halftime. I don't think it was Andy Reid's uh, halftime adjustments. I don't think it was Mahomes' play in the second half. I think it was simply Corey Lindsay getting injured. Why? What is the matchup between the Chargers' offensive line, Corey Lindsay, right down the middle in the nose tackle position, and the Chargers' offensive line? Chris Jones, pro bowler, game wrecker, has been able to show what he can do as a pass rusher, especially stopping the run, getting to the quarterback, causing QB pressure, that kind of thing. What he was able to do once and exploit the matchup of the new center that came in was game-changing. The switch happened at halftime, and he took over. Chris Jones completely ruined the second half. The Chargers' first drive from the second half, they went down, scored a touchdown. They were up 10 points. 10 7 and a half, they go up 17 7. Now what? Future drives from then on out. Justin Herbert was hit almost every single play. It wasn't that Mike Williams somehow changed at halftime and he wasn't able to get open. It wasn't that the run game stopped, which it did because Corey Lindsay was out. It was that Corey Lindsay was out. And when you look at what are some of the key positions, that can really change an NFL or college game these days, right? You think about quarterback, head coach on the sideline. You think about quarterback, wide receiver, edge rusher. How about if one of your key pieces on the O-line was out? Corey Lindsey. That's what really impacted and changed that game. Chris Jones was able to get after him. Uh... They just they were able to get pressure on Joe Burrow. They kept hitting him. He was clearly in pain. He went out for one play while he couldn't even throw the ball. If you go on NFL, ESPN, Instagram, YouTube, whatever you want, uh, one of the last drives of the game when Justin Herbert led them to go down to score a touchdown when they were down 10 points in the fourth quarter, uh, Justin Herbert was limping, holding his side, which he's getting x-rays on. I mean, he couldn't even... He couldn't even throw the ball. But he threw one ball outbounds, clearly in pain, got under center the next play, and threw an absolute strike, a dart, to, I believe as Josh Palmer, for a four-yard touchdown. Uh, then there's a minute, some left, not many timeouts, and they couldn't get the onside, so the game was over. But from here on out, I'm declaring that and I'm still sticking with my chart, my Broncos pick, but the Chargers, man, they're a better team than than the Chiefs this year. If it was in Los Angeles, or if Corey Lindsay doesn't get hurt, the Chargers win that game. Regardless, what a beautiful opening night on Amazon Prime with Kirk Herbstreit and Al Michaels, some of my other idols. Uh, great broadcasters, but they put on a show. Uh, Amazon Prime, the graphics that they had, that show was just, that was amazing. Broncos Seahawks, Monday Night Football. Really bad timing for my third episode to get released. 
some technical difficulties. Uh, this is where I come in and give props and shout out to who's behind the scenes, Colin Bach, best friend. He goes to South Dakota School of Mines and Tech. Um, speaking of tech, he's great with tech. He's able to, I do the talking. I cannot do anything with technology. He's able to do it all behind the scenes um, with Adobe Premium, with whatever, the social media. That's all Colin. All shout out goes to Colin there. Um, but Monday Night Football, the podcast was released Wednesday. And on that third episode, your host right here said, the Broncos are my Super Bowl pick. Said, Russell Wilson is going to sit back and tear apart the, his former team. Pete Carroll, Geno Smith, the Seahawks defense. Crazy shit happens during a game where that did not happen. Geno Smith looked like his West Virginia days. Rashad Payne was run was able to run over that defense. And then Nathaniel Hackett got involved. That wasn't pretty. Um, the Broncos are too talented to not be good. They're going to be great going forward. They have the Texans preview for uh, one of my NFL picks that will be coming up later. Uh, they got the Texans. They're going to bounce back. Nathaniel Hackett, though, getting involved when you have a quarterback there paying 250 million and you send out a place kicker. Now, Brandon McMass is known to have one of the best legs in the game up there with Justin Tucker, who is the only other kicker to kick over 65 yards successfully, right? That was in a dome. This is in Seattle with the 12th man absolutely roaring and you leave it up to Brandon McManus to steal the show from Russell Wilson, fourth and five. If there's, there are a couple quarterbacks that I would want on fourth and five. Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Now, are there more like some of these young guns like Mahomes and Allen and Herbert and Burrow that I would want? Yeah, but when it comes to last drive, you need a fourth and five. Who do I want? Russell Wilson is one of those guys that I want. And to leave it up to your place kicker for your kicker for 64 yards in Seattle, heavy air, you've probably heard by now is not a, a smart decision. Even Nathaniel Hackey regrets doing it. Russell Wilson was interviewed after. He said that he would like to go for it, but you know, that's his sugar coating of, I trust Nathaniel Hackett. No, you don't. I trust uh, Brandon McManus. No, you don't. You want the ball on fourth and five to drive your team down to win the game. That didn't happen. Um, the Seahawks played probably as well as they could ever play in that game. And they won by one point, which tells you a lot about their team, but also tells you about how Nathaniel Hackett got involved, and that's not good. Hopefully he turns around because the Broncos, my Super Bowl pick, need to turn it around, which they can versus the Houston Texans this week. Uh, Davis Mills will have some problems. But still my pick. I'm Ryan with them. Speaking of picks, let's get to it. Week two. Array kicked off with the Chargers and Chiefs. Didn't release this podcast early enough uh, because I didn't have a pick for that game. Plus four chargers was what I was leaning, but that's such a scary 
stay away game. The over under was so high and it nearly got to the over. Had to stay away from that pick. But let's get to it. Week two, FL picks. Number one, max seven plays. Last week, two and five. Disappointing. We talked about that in episode three. Uh, horrendous picks. This week, we're going to turn it around. And we got Dolphins at the Baltimore Ravens. With the headliners of Tyreek Hill playing his second game with Tua, who is, according to him, the most accurate quarterback in the league, uh, with a new nerdy head coach, Mike McDaniels, who was able to take down Belichick week one. I think they roll some, some momentum into this game. Not saying that they cover the spread, but they're going to put points up, and so the Ravens over 44 points. Two high-scoring offenses with two not so good defenses. They got good players on the defenses, but not good overall defenses. So, Dolphins, Ravens, they put lots of points each. It goes way over 44 points. I think that over-under is way too low. Let's get to it. Number two, Saints plus two and a half versus Bucks. Now, I wish this spread was at three, and if I were giving betting advice, I would say buy a half a point. That's plus three because it will be close. It's in Superdome. It's in the Superdome. Jameis Winston, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave. Malcolm Jenkins on the defensive side. Um, Demario Davis on the defensive side. That defense is nasty. They're good. Marshawn Lattimore. Um, they're going to put a clamp on the Bucks, which they have been doing recently when they're at home versus the Bucks. Now, this is the main reason why I'm taking the plus three. I don't know if they'll win, but they always fare well against the Bucks at home. Tom Brady uh, coming off a short, kind of shortish week. They played on Sunday night, an emotional game in Dallas. Uh, the Saints are going to get some momentum from coming back to the Falcons. Uh, NFC South showdown, Saints plus two and a half versus the Bucks. One more key thing about this game. The Bucks O-line is a little bit banged up, and I think the Saints D-line is going to expose that. Key matchup there that I think uh, goes into the Saints' favor. Number three. Rams minus 10 versus the Falcons. Marcus Mariota is going to struggle against Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey will have a bounce back game. Uh, those three guys are going to be enough to make the Falcons struggle a little bit with Marcus Mariota. The Rams, it's a revenge game. They're not happy about the Bills going into their stadium and kicking their butts. Uh, they're going to be able to score on this Falcons secondary I think minus 10 is the play here. Rams minus 10. Let's move on. Broncos minus 10 versus the Texans. I already talked about that game before, but Davis Mills will have some problems. Not that the Broncos defense is great, but that the Broncos offense with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and Russell Wilson, Javante Williams, and Melvin Gordon headlining the backfield. They're going to be able to do what they want against the Texans defense. At home, this is the game where they get a little bit revenge, where they get their season rolling. Come on, Broncos, minus 10 versus the Texans. Number five of my max seven plays, Cardinals at Raiders, over 51.5 points. This has the word shootout written 
all over. Shootout written all over the game. Why? High explosive offenses even without Cardinals having DeAndre Hopkins. The Raiders having Devontae Adams, Darren Waller. But the Cardinals getting Hollywood Brown with James Conner with the receivers that they got. Kyler Murray's game, a bounce back game. It's going to be a shootout. The spread was too scary to take. Uh, Raiders mass five and a half. Couldn't do it. Great offenses, average defenses. They got names on their defenses. But just like the Ravens and Dolphins, they don't have great overall defenses. So look for this game to be a shootout. Over 51 and a half points, which is the highest of all the games this week, except for last night's Chargers at the Chiefs, for a reason. It will be a shootout. Uh, number six on my maximum plays Giants match two versus the Panthers. Why? Why would I be able to trust the Giants in this situation? Well, the Panthers last week against the Cleveland Browns led up 217 rush yards. What does that mean? The Giants with Saquon coming off of one of his biggest games as a New York Giant looking to recover from last year's injury is going to run all over this Panthers terrible rush defense. Kayvon Thibodeau, their top five pick, could make his debut. Uh, He thinks Matt Rule is on the hot seat while Brian Dable had great first head coaching game. So, Matt Rule, hot seat. Baker Mayfield, don't trust him. Not saying I trust Daniel Jones, but I trust that rush I trust that rush offense versus that rush defense. Let's do it. Giants. Look to go two and all. Minus two versus the Panthers. Play seven. Oh my max plays seven. Titans plus ten at the Bills. This seems like an awful pick, some may say. The Bills, some say, including Vegas, are Super Bowl favorites. I think they fare pretty well. What happened last year when they met up? Despite it was in Tennessee. What happened last year? Derrick Henry was able to run it wherever he wanted. And Tannehill was able to manage the game. They win. It will be a lot closer than 11 points. Um... I think the Titans are too tough physically. They're too well coached. They don't get blown out at Orchard Park. Titans plus 10 versus the Bills. Max 7 plays, NFL Week 2. Dolphins at Ravens, over 44 points. Saints plus 2.5 versus Bucks. Rams minus 10 versus Falcons. Broncos minus 10 versus Texans. Cardinals at Raiders, over 51.5 points. Giants minus 2 versus Panthers. And Titans plus 10 at the Bills on Monday Night Football in Orchard Park in Buffalo. Upstate. New York. <clears throat> College football week three. What's going on here? Well, first week I went five and two. Felt great. Felt like my week two picks were gonna hit two. That was not the case. We go two and five the following week. Where are we overall? Seven and seven, fifty percent. We're not losing money in college football, but we're not making a lot of money either. This is the week where we make a lot of money. Like I said, in four ten sports podcasts. I believe I've said on this podcast, if you like to make money, which some people don't, um, then you ride with these picks. I like making money. I ride with these picks. If you like making money, you should do the same. You do you, but I'm just saying. Let's get started. Purdue at Syracuse. Oh, baby. The game is at 12 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, Aiden O'Connell will be leading his 10-win team from last season into the Carrier Dome where Garrett Schrader is coming off a PFF 
all-first-team offense and best player in college football week two on offense. Garrett Trader, who has had turnover all year. Garrett Trader, who has Sean Tucker in the backfield with him, a Heisman candidate who should have won the Heisman last year if the team was decently good. Um, Garrett Trader, who's slinging it to our receivers. The defensive side of the ball with the boys that I've already listed. Garrett Williams, Marlo Wax, Michael Jones, Deuce Chestnut. Um, shout out. Offensive lineman, Matthew Bergeron. Um, he won ACC Offensive Lineman of the Week. That's huge. Our line looks really good. But Purdue, they're a really good team. It's at Pickham right now. I can't take the winner. If I did, I'd be biased. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. Gates open at 10 o'clock. I will be there at 10 o'clock for the game to take notes to bring on to my podcast next Tuesday. Anyways, what's the play here? Purdue at Syracuse. Pick them. Over under 60 points. We're going under 60 points. Why? These defenses are really good. Purdue's defense, even though they lost their edge rusher last year in the NFL draft, the Purdue defense is really good. I don't think the Syracuse Orange offense will be able to have whatever they want like they've been able to the last couple weeks. This is their first real test on defense. As well as Purdue... They played Penn State week one, but this defense in the Syracuse Orange is going to shock them. It's going to be low scoring, bloodbath, grind it out till you win it. Um, quarterbacks regress a little bit. Garrett Trayer will do his thing. Ian O'Connell will do his thing. But I don't think it's a shootout. I think it's a defensive game. Under 60 points is the first play in my max seven plays out of college football week three. Let's move on to number two, Kansas State. Minus 14 versus Tulane. Why is this number so low? I mean... So I'm looking here. Tulane allows 130 rush yards per game. Maybe they're 2-0. Why would I care? They haven't played anyone. Deuce Vaughn, who is, I think, the best running back in college football. Sean Tucker's number two. Brian Robinson. Sorry, Bijan Robinson, number three. Deuce Vaughn is going to tear apart that defense that allows 130 rush yards per game. Tulane is no match for Kansas State, especially in Manhattan. Shout out Andrew Langang, classmate with me at Century High School on the O-line. Um, they're going to push around that two-lane offense. Sorry, that push around that two-lane defense and have what they want. Kansas State minus 14. What's play number three? Western Kentucky plus six and a half versus Indiana. Western Kentucky is flying under the radar here. They're a good team. I feel like if they go undefeated, um, if they put together some quality wins, which comes right here this weekend in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, they could get ranked. They're a good team. Indiana's not good. I don't know why they're plus six and a half. Uh, if you can buy a half a point on your book, I would do so. I like that play. Miami, Florida at Texas A&M. What happened last week? Well, Miami, Florida rolled. Um, University of Miami, sorry. <clears throat> they rolled. Texas A&M got rolled. By Appalachian State, where college game day is tomorrow in Boone, North Carolina. Anyways, Texas A&M, Miami, good offenses, okay defenses. They they don't allow a lot of points, but like I was saying with the Cardinals Raiders, was this game half shootout? Ran all over it. University of Miami, 
at Texas A&M. Over. 44 and a half points. Let's do it. Fourth play, Miami, Texas A&M. Over, 44. Play number five, Texas Tech plus 10 at NC State. NC State's overrated. Texas Tech is underrated. I'm a little scared that's at NC State, but I think 10 points is too many. Let's ride. Texas Tech. Number six, Michigan State at University of Washington. One of the best both-ranked teams uh, matchup in this week's slate. Under 56.5 points both. So Michigan State allows six points per game. University of Washington allows 13 points per game. Grinded out game. Defenses don't allow lots of points. What's the max seven play? University of Arizona plus three versus NDSU. Sorry to all my homies that go to NDSU that live in North Dakota that I went to school with. Uh, University of Arizona is going to win. Plus three for sure cover. In University of Arizona, big spot for NDSU who's, who's inexperienced. Losing Brand Thomas last year and Ed Rusher to the Los Angeles Rams and Christian Watson to the Green Bay Packers. University of Arizona is underrated. They're going to cover these points. Uh, those are my seven plays for college football week three. What a weekend of football we have ahead. We have ahead of us. Keep an eye on Purdue at Syracuse and Minnesota Vikings at Philadelphia Eagles. Take into the Max Sports Podcast episode number four. We're out.